very excited to minister the word with you this morning. And uh, we had a very powerful service last night. It was really, really awesome. <clears throat> God really moved very powerfully. And I'm telling you that the Lord is going to move this morning very powerfully. I can sense that God wants to do something. So I'm excited about that. Man, I'm excited about that. So, um, amen. So this morning, uh, you know, if you, if you were there on Wednesday night, you, I, I, spoke about, I spoke about the Lord of hosts specifically. You know, I've come to realize over the years of walking with the Lord that God gives us certain keys, principles, call them whatever you want to call them, that can really help us in our walk with God. I truly believe the most powerful thing a human being can do is to surrender to the Lord. You know, I, I've, I said this on Wednesday, humility is not, is not, not, being, is not, not being bold. What, what I mean is, you know, you don't have to be a, a, a soft and, and, and have no authority and to, be, to have humility. Are you with me? You know, you can be bold and strong and ferocious as a lion and, and still have humility. Humility, true humility is total dependency on God. You know, so when you do achieve something, you know where you got your strength. You know who it was that did it for you through you. It's all about Him. In our own strength, we're incapable of doing much at all. Let's be honest. But with the help of the Lord, nothing is impossible. So we trust in Him. That's what humility is. It's coming to God in total recognition. When David repented, when he sinned, he chose to come to God with a heart of total repentance. And, and even said, and one of my favorite lines in Psalm 51 is when he says, Psalm 51, I think it's Psalm 51, where he, where he says to the Lord, he says, he says, you know, you are right to judge me. You are right. Your punishment it would be right. He comes with such humility before God. He doesn't try and say, well, you know, God, I was tired. And, you know, it was that woman bathing on the roof and whatever. He did nothing like that. He said, and he didn't even, he, 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 says, he says, Lord, against you and you alone have I sinned. He, he understood that the, that, the, that the one person that can save him, that can help him, that can deliver him, it's him who he sinned against. And so we see this, this humility that comes through David's life and God restores him in the most powerful way. I believe that God is wanting to, to do some things in our lives. And over the last few weeks, I've attempted really hard to, to show you just how powerful it is when we come to the knowledge or understanding, or rather should I say, and when we come into a more understanding or more knowledge of who God really is. You can never really receive from something that you don't know or understand. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So the more you understand the Word of God, the more revelation you have of God's Word, the more your faith is increased. I was praying for someone last night, and I said to them, you know, when we speak the Word, I must try and remember it because I was praying for them, so it was just kind of like came. You know, when we, when we speak the Word of God, we actually hear it. 
You know, and rhema word, where the word becomes alive to us, is when we speak it. The rhema word is the spoken word. That's when the word is alive. And that's why when it goes in you, it's one thing. But when it's coming out of you, it's a whole different story, guys. When you're speaking God's word and it's pouring out of who you are, it has this ability to truly impact your life and others around you. Can you say amen? So we saw a couple of weeks ago that in the life of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that God reveals himself to them in a very powerful way. And we need to understand the times that they lived in. They lived in the ancient world. The ancient world was a place where there was a tremendous amount of idolatry. There was a tremendous amount of false God worship. And, you know, there was lots of wizardry, witchcraft, stuff going on back there. And when God comes to Abraham, he reveals himself to Abraham as the almighty God. He says, I am God Almighty when he comes to Abraham. And God Almighty, we know in the Hebrew, is Al Shaddai. Most of you have heard that, that phrase before. Now, when we say he's God Almighty, you know, you can go, oh, that's really great. And, and, and that's the problem. See, that's the problem, is that we don't fully comprehend what that means. The first thing we have to understand is what it's saying, and that is that he is Almighty God. You see, in that time, there were many gods, many false religions, many cults, and those cults actually did produce some power. But the power that came from this God was almighty. There was no power. There was no God besides this God. So when he came to Abraham, he revealed himself this way as the almighty God. And we see through Isaac and Jacob that they had a revelation of this because when they prayed down generations, they would pray in the name of God Almighty, Al Shaddai. He says, are you guys asleep? Is this boring? Are you bored? Amen. I can tell you now, if I was preaching like in South America, they'd be like, they'd be like all about this, you know? So you guys must, amen. You got to stay with me because God wants to do something this morning. There are people this morning that are going to get healed in this service. Somebody got healed in the first service. Somebody's going to get healed this morning. See, the devil wants to distract you. So stay focused, okay? Stay with me. Stay with me, okay? <laughs> okay. So we see that God reveals himself this way. In Scripture, we see God reveal himself, or rather they identify. They identify that God is the most high God, which is El Elyon, God most high so we see God express. Why is this important? Because every time a name of God is revealed, El Shaddai, uh, Jehovah Jireh, our provider, we get to see the nature and character of God, just who He is and how He is towards us. So it's very important, especially when God Himself comes and says, this is who I am. I'm doing this because this is who I am. And when you understand that, you can truly begin to walk in that. So we saw that. Then we saw with David, and I, I shared this with you on Wednesday night if you were there, and I think most of you were there, that God reveals himself to Hannah. He reveals himself to Joshua, and he reveals himself to David as the Lord of hosts. Now, they already had revelation of who God was, but now he's revealing them, himself to them as the Lord of hosts, 
you know, the, the army, the, the captain, the, the leader of, the, of, the, of heaven's armies. I mean, he is almighty God. He is, he's, he's got a host of armies behind him. Can you say amen? And this is so powerful because it allows us to understand that there is no force in heaven. There is no army greater than the armies of God. And the story where Joshua encounters the angel of the Lord is so powerful to me because one thing I've realized is that when Joshua sees the angel of the Lord, he kind of walks up to him and, and you know, I can, I can't, I just, I like, I see pictures in my mind always. I can imagine him kind of walking up to him and seeing this, you know, this, this person standing there, you know, and it was probably, that's what it was, guys. It was like this person standing there and he goes up to him and he says to him, you know, whose side are you on? Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he turns around and he says to him, I am the commander of the armies of the Lord. Now watch. I want you to think about it. If some guy had to randomly say that, you'd say, this guy's a nutcase. Are you with me? But you must remember something about Joshua. When, the, when they would be in the tabernacle, the Bible tells us that everybody would leave the tabernacle. But Joshua would stay behind in the presence of the God of God. He would stay behind in the presence of God. When, when the Lord spoke to him and said, I am the commander or the captain of the armies of the Lord of hosts, you must understand that in that moment, Joshua knew exactly who he was talking to. Why? Because he recognized the presence of God. He knew this was the Lord standing before him. And the Bible says that he fell down and he began to worship him. He surrendered in that moment. And then the next day, after the Lord tells him what's going to happen, the, the beginning of the victory in Jericho takes place. Isn't it powerful? David's challenged by, by Goliath. I, I shared this story, but I, I, it's important that I lay this foundation for this morning because we're kind of going to carry on. Is that okay? David's face with Goliath. And the thing that David understood was his covenant with God. And he'd seen the power of that covenant. He'd seen the power of that covenant operate in his life. Listen, Naomi and I watched this show. What's it called? Something Bit Me. It's awful. Don't watch it. It's horrible. She likes it. I have no idea why, okay? My son likes it too. I, they, I don't know. I'd rather watch something else, okay? So, so we're watching Something Bit Me, and there's these many attacks of bears specifically. You get to see bears attack people. And, and I've always like been watching them and they've got the spray. The spray is useless, guys. I just want you to know that. That spray does absolutely nothing, okay? I've seen multiple bear attacks now on TV. True story. The spray is nothing. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, surely, you know, surely someone's going to have enough common sense to have a gun, you know? I mean, I'm just going to go into the woods with my rifle and we'll be good, you know? So, so I see, like, one of the episodes, there's a knife, there's a gun, nothing works. The bear still gets him. David had a slingshot. But David had something far greater than a slingshot. What did he have? He had a covenant. He had a covenant with God. And because of his covenant with God and his knowledge, you see, listen carefully, his knowledge of God, his knowledge of God, God has delivered me from the lion. He has delivered me from the bear. Surely he will deliver me from this uncircumcised Philistine who dares to defy the armies of the God of Israel. 
So he has the boldness and the courage based on his covenant and his knowledge of God to take on this uncircumcised Philistine. That's why you need to know the God you serve. You need to have revelation of who he is. That's why David could boldly get up and say, I serve the Lord of hosts and he will surely deliver me from this Philistine. Amen. And we know he did some serious butt kicking and Goliath gets killed without the sword. Amazing story. So we understand this. I believe God wants us to walk in the fullness of who he is. But there is a name that many Christians misunderstand. There is an expression of the love and the power of God that many of us do not comprehend because we don't understand the magnitude of how powerful this expression on part of God is. And that's why many of us don't walk in the fullness of this. This morning, I'm going to start my sermon now. <laughs> okay? This morning, I want to talk to you about the healing power of God. You see, it's very important that you understand that God is a healer. As soon as I say that, some of you already become like, I don't want to hear this. You need to hear this. Because what you don't understand about the word healer is it means far more than physical healing. As much as physical healing is so important, there is a message throughout Scripture that God wants the children of Israel and then later us, the covenant children of God in the new dispensation under the covenant with Jesus to understand. Remember, I taught you on Wednesday night that God's original intent for man was to have dominion. Multiply the earth, be fruitful, and have dominion. Jesus gave the same mandate in a different way to his disciples. Go into the world and make disciples. Multiply, have dominion. He told them, he taught them about walking in authority. He said these signs will follow those who believe. And they were all supernatural signs. They were signs of individuals that walk in authority and power. God wants you to get there, but you can never get there if you don't know the God you serve. You may know him as one part. Jesus came and revealed to us the most beautiful part of God, which is a father. That's why when I pray, I always pray, Father, because he's my heavenly father. So I speak to him as a father, as a son speaks to a father. That's how I speak to him, because that's the part I go to, especially when I need something. Just be honest. You know, when I want to get intimate with him, I talk to him as a father. He's my father, and I, and, I, and I have this relationship with him. And I want to approach him that way, and he loves it when I do. I have no doubt about that. And so with you, it's the same thing. Now, in order for us to fully comprehend the magnitude of healing, we must go back to the Old Testament. There's... There's a few things in Scripture. There's a few things you must know. One of the things we talk about very often is the law of first mention, which is very important. So where do we see this expression for the very first time? The first time we see healing in Scripture is Genesis 20, verse 17, and it's with Abraham. But I want you to understand something. You can experience something of God without having revelation yet. So watch. 
Genesis 20, 17. So Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, his wife, and his female servants. Then they brought children. So we see healing, physical healing take place here. This physical healing takes place right at the beginning of Genesis, in Genesis 20. And what's interesting is we see this take place, first time it happens in Scripture. And that word there is rafah. It's the word rafah. But God's not the one who's revealed anything. He's just, he's just shown us what He can do here. So God reveals healing, but doesn't say to Moses, I am the healer. Are you with me? He just does the miracle. He answers the prayer. How many of you know God answers prayer? That's why many of you may not have had a revelation of just how powerful God is, but still experienced breakthrough. Because He is, that's who He is, so He does it. But when you understand Him better, you can move into a totally different dimension. So we see there physical healing. There is no question throughout Scripture, including the Old Testament, that God does heal sickness. Psalm 10, 103, Psalm 103, verse number 3 says, He forgives all my sins, and He heals all my diseases. So God heals diseases, no question. And, and th I'm giving you like a few examples, one of every category, but there are multiple scriptures that you can go and have a look for yourself about. God also heals the mind. And this is already one element where many of us don't recognize the healing power of God. You can be suffering from depression. You can be suffering from fear. You can be suffering from anxiety. You might have some kind of, of mental situation going on, anguish, whatever it is. God also comes and heals our minds. Psalm 41 verse 4 says, I said, Lord, be merciful to me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against you. In other words, I've sinned against you, but now my whole, I'm afflicted. My mind's afflicted. So God can come in and actually also heal you in the soul. The one thing I love and have seen God do so many times, and Jesus expresses this beautifully where it says in the New Testament that He came to heal the brokenhearted. Well, that's nothing new for God. Because in the Old Testament, it tells us in 147, Psalm 147, verse number 3, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. So God is a healer in the area of our heart. Many people are born into very difficult, bad situations where they go through a tremendous amount of hurt and pain. And when you come to God and you surrender your life to Him, you must know that He is also here to heal your heart, to make it whole. So an expression of God's healing, I'm giving you more revelation of what healing means, is that He can also heal your heart. He can heal your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions. He can heal your heart. He can heal you in your physical body as well. But watch this. Because God not only heals hearts, minds, physical bodies, but in 2 Chronicles 7.14, it says this, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will heal from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. Listen, God can... God is not restricted to healing you individually. He can go beyond a person and actually heal an entire nation.
for, a, for an individual to receive healing, there are conditions. I don't want to get into too much of that this morning. We'll talk about it just a little bit. But here we see the conditions of a nation being healed. In this scripture, it tells us that if we will humble ourselves, if we will pray and seek His face, turn from our wicked ways, then He will hear from heaven and He'll answer us and heal our land. So that's what's required. That's what's required for healing in a nation to take place. It's no difference for an individual. If you want God to heal you, you must come to Him with that posture. You need to humble yourself. In other words, God, I understand that the only one who can do this is the one who heals. You must understand something. This is so important. It's not just that God is a healer. God is healing. He heals because it's who He is. Why do I say that? Because He is love. So He heals. Why is He healing? Why is He doing this? I'm so glad you're asking so many questions. The next story is amazing because now we're about to see where God reveals Himself as healer. Where He tells you, I am your healer. And I'm going to show you what He does. It's so powerful. And it comes right back to what I believe God is wanting clearly to say to us as the church right now. We need to understand what is God trying to do on the earth right now with the church? What is He preparing us for? Are you with me? All right. Exodus 15 verse 20. Let me put it into context for you before we go there. The children of Israel have just come out of Egypt. They've been in bondage in Egypt I believe it was like 300 years. And now, and now they're about to come out of Egypt. They come out of Egypt. They, they, they have an amazing breakthrough. The Red Sea is parted. I mean, that's a supernatural miracle. We've seen the 10 plagues. I mean, guys, you want to talk about seeing the supernatural hand of God? I don't think they've, anyone has ever seen anything like that since then. And, until Jesus came. Obviously, then we saw miracles in an incredible magnitude. But, I mean, what they saw in just a short period of time, the amount of miracles... I mean, imagine standing in front of the sea and the staff gets put in it and the ocean parts. And then you've even got little flesh slapping around, little snacks on the way. <laughs> okay, I added that in. That's not in the Bible, just so you know, okay? <clears throat> See, the pastor added something. Yeah, that's my, I'm, I'm telling you, okay? And so now they, they cross over. And watch what happens. The Bible tells us that there's a party. They start to celebrate because the Egyptians have been swallowed up by the sea. They chased after them and, 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 and God closed the sea on them. And now they're just beginning to throw it. They're having a massive celebration, having a huge party. Exodus 15, 20. Then Miriam the prophetess and sister of Aaron took the timbrel in her hand and all the women went after her with timbrels and with dress and with dances. And Miriam answered them, sing to the Lord. For he has triumphed gloriously, the house and its rider. He has thrown into the sea. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. Then they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness, watch this, and found no water. So as soon as they have a breakthrough, they're about to face their first challenge. Now, I want you to kind of try and imagine this. An entire nation comes out of bondage. We're not talking about 20 or 30 people here. We're talking about an enormous amount of people. They come through. They have this major miracle and breakthrough. 
And now they have to go on a mandatory water fast for three days. People are thirsty. People are complaining. People are upset. How could God deliver us? And now he's going to kill us because we can't have anything. We have nothing to drink. Now watch what happens. Now they came to Marah, verse 23. They came to Marah. They could not drink the water of Marah. For they, were, for, the, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Murrah. So they finally arrive at a place where there is water. They get to the water and the water's bitter. Now there's a lot of teachings I could give you out of this, but I want to stay on topic this morning. So they finally get to the water. They think we're going to have a breakthrough. The Lord has provided. This is exactly what we wanted. How many of you know sometimes when you think you've got the breakthrough and you think God's going to do something a certain way, when you taste it, it's nothing what you thought. Amen? So now they're really manifesting and very upset. They're really upset because now there's, there's, there's no water. And, and the, can you imagine the pressure that must have been on Moses? I mean, you know, just think about it. All these people are looking at him and saying, man, this guy is a hoax. So the people complained, the Bible says. And they said, what shall we drink? So Moses does the only thing he knows how to do. So he cried out to the Lord. And the Lord showed him a tree and he cast it into the waters. And the waters were made sweet. There he made a statue and an ordinance for them. And there he tested them. This is God now who tested their heart. Are you with me? And said, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord, God speaking. If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight. Give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. I will put none of the diseases of which I have brought on the Egyptians. Watch this. For I am the Lord who heals you. So he says to them, listen, I am the God who heals. He starts, he brings them into Egypt, uh, into the wilderness. As they come into the wilderness, the water is bitter. He tests them and he says to them, listen, I'm going to heal. He heals the water. He says, I am the Lord, your healer, but there's a condition here. For you to walk in this, you must serve no other God besides me. You must stay faithful to me, to me. He says, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in His sight and give ear to His commandments and keep His statutes, He says, basically, He goes on and He says, I will protect you and I will keep you safe and I will heal you. And He reveals Himself as a healer. But what's interesting is He doesn't heal a body here. He heals water. Can you heal water? No. Let's be honest. You can't heal water. Water doesn't get healed. What happens to water when it gets made right? It's restored. God is trying to teach us something, that He is our healer, which means that He is our restorer. What is He trying to do? He's trying to restore us to original intent. Okay? Now, throughout Scripture, God heals time and time again in the Old Testament. But then something really supernatural happens. In the New Testament, Jesus comes down. Jesus is God incarnate in the flesh. He comes down and the, and the Bible tells us that He comes to save us. Are you with me? 
He comes to save us. What's interesting about the word save in the Greek is the word save in the Greek in most, in the, in most places in Scripture is the Greek word sozo. The Greek word sozo means to be saved, to be healed, to be made well, to be delivered. In other words, every one of those expressions defines someone being restored. It's so important. God wants you to be well. He wants it to be well with you, with your soul. Why? To restore you. Why? So that you can fulfill your destiny. So that you can fulfill your purpose. Included in that is the fact that He is love. So he wants to touch you. He wants to heal you because that's who he is. He is Jehovah Rapha. He is our healer. The Lord who heals. Jehovah Rapha. Are you with me? Remember what I taught you on Wednesday night. The Bible tells us, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Listen to me, this is so important. And then the Bible says that if the devil had known, if, the, if basically it says if, if the rulers of this age had known, if they had known what would have happened when they crucified the Lord of glory, they would not have done it. What's going to happen? The Bible tells us that it's going to, your eyes and your ears and, and, and your heart has not been able to comprehend what God is able to do for you. It's because there's destiny and purpose in you. That's why the, the devil doesn't want you to know who God is and he doesn't want you to know who you are. Because as soon as you understand those two things, you become very dangerous. And then when that happens, you know that God is almighty. You know that God is your healer. You know that God is your deliverer. And every attack and everything that comes against you, you have the power to overcome because you know who your God is. So powerful. So powerful. Jesus delivered. Jesus saved. Jesus healed. Everything we see in Scripture through hundreds of years, we see in three years in the life of Jesus over and over and over. Why? Why did Jesus heal? Why did He deliver? Why did he make people well? Why did he touch people? Because he is Jehovah Rapha. He is your healer. You must understand that. There is no difference between in the expression that he brings. When you give your life to Jesus and you say, Lord, forgive me for my sins. And he comes and he saves you. There is no difference in that than when you get touched in your physical body. It's the same expression of who God is. Okay, let me show you something. Watch this. Watch this. This is very powerful. And hopefully this is going to like turn the lights on. Are you with me? <laughs> Watch this now. Let's go to Luke 5, verse 18. I'm almost done, guys. Okay? And that's almost Thanksgiving, so you're going to have lots of turkey this week. Okay? Luke 5, 18. Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. 
And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on a housetop and set him down with his bed through the tiling on the midst, into the midst of before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said to, he said to him, watch this, man, your sins are forgiven you. And I want you to know the Pharisees are about to have a royal fit. Watch this. He says, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees begin to reason, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins? Watch this. Who can forgive sins but God alone? So watch what Jesus does here. This is so powerful. But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, why are you reasoning in your hearts? Watch this. Which is easier? Your sins are forgiven you? Or to say, rise up and walk. And when he said that, they were thinking, we know Jehovah Rapha. We know the God who heals. And we know the only one who can forgive sins is that God. Are you with me? And as soon as he said, which is easier, and the man all of a sudden starts to move his legs and he begins to rise up, these Pharisees had no idea what to do with themselves after this. Take a look at what the Bible says. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. And immediately he rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on and departed to his own house, glorifying God. You must understand. Part of your salvation is restoration. Restoring yourself to God. Ultimately, you must recognize this. This is very, very, very important. I've told you a lot of things are important, but this is very important, okay? You will not only have authority and rulership in this earth, but the way that you do that in this earth will affect the way you will do it in the next. The Bible tells us that we are kings and priests unto our God. And the Bible tells us that what we do with our salvation will affect the way we rule in the next earth. This is no funny doctrine. You are saved by grace, and grace alone can get you to heaven. But the way that you live, listen, God has given you authority and dominion on this earth to be an effective Christian. Does that mean that everybody must be a pastor? Absolutely not. We have enough pastors. Okay? It's not what you are, it's who you are that matters. The question is, as a doctor, what kind of a doctor are you? Do you have authority? Do you speak life? Do you give, bring healing? What kind of a doctor are you? What kind of a teacher are you? What kind of a cleaner are you? What kind of a, whatever your function is, that doesn't matter. But who you are is what's important, amen? But in order for you to walk in any of that, you must know Him. Joshua knew Him. David knew Him. That's why David had that type of boldness because he understood that he served the Lord of hosts. Just one expression of who God is. He's also your healer, which ultimately means that he is your restorer. 
He restores you to Himself. And His plan is to restore you back to what He created you to do. Man's final destination, guys, is earth. If you know your Bible, He is going to create a new heavens and a new earth. You thought your ticket to heaven was, you just, you got your ticket to heaven, you good. You've missed the boat. You've lost the plot. You've picked up 5% of what God has done for you. It's a wonderful, I'm so thankful for that percent, amen. I'm so grateful for the salvation. And many of us have a tendency to go, well, you know, we're just so grateful it's free. It's not free. It costs Jesus. It costs God everything. But through that, not only, not only comes forgiveness and eternal, and eternal salvation, but also comes authority. Why He created us. Man, I could, I could, we could talk about this for hours. No, next time. <laughs> you said do it. The other person said, please, pastor, stop. <laughs> I only desire the same thing Paul desired. When he said, Father, I pray that they come to the knowledge and the understanding. I'm, some, I'm paraphrasing. That their eyes are enlightened. That they will know you, Lord. Because he knew that if you know him the way he truly is, you will walk so differently with authority and power and blessing. Listen. Humility. Humility. Have I said this already? <laughs> Listen, guys, it's been a long week, okay? <laughs> I've had church for like eight days in a row. So, <laughs> but I will say it again. Let me just say this. You must, you must begin to be bold. Not in your abilities, in his abilities. That's humility. God did not call us. Listen, when God went to Joshua, he didn't say to him, only be soft and weak. He said to him, only be strong and courageous. When they came back from spying out the land, when Joshua and Caleb came back and everybody said, oh, we can't do it. There's too many giants. They're going to kill us. Joshua and Caleb said that our God is able to deliver us. What's that? Humility. That's humility. That's recognizing that the God that you serve is able. Not my strength, Lord, but your strength. Less of me, God, and more of you. But that doesn't mean that you must be insibitsitiniwini. You must be bold. You must be strong. In your workplace, speak with authority. In your workplace, in your family. I said if you're a housewife, you don't have, maybe you don't have a job, you're a housewife. Take dominion in your house. Get that house in order. Get things right. Get your family in line. Get your kids going in the right direction. Be a wonderful wife to your husband. It's a wonderful thing to do. Amen. God is your healer. That's who He is. He is our healer. Let's all stand this morning.
I'm so thankful, Father, that your word is actually so straightforward, that is so true and so powerful. How is it possible that Jesus knew exactly what to say so that we could understand? Is it easier for me to say his sins are forgiven or for me to say, get up and walk? It's the same God. It's the same Lord. That's why you are the first and the last, Father. You are the beginning and the end. Everything we need is in you. And I pray this morning, Lord, that your healing power would manifest in the lives of every person in this church in a new way. That they will come to know and understand if you can heal water, you can heal my business. If you can restore God, if you can restore a land, you can restore anything. A marriage, you can restore anything. You are Jehovah Rapha. You are our healer. And Jesus, you are the Son of the Most High, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And all authority, the Word says, was given to you. And so this morning in this place, we are thankful for the covenant that we have, that we are now covenant children of the Most High God. And all those promises and everything that was said to the children of Israel that was promised to them is now promised to us as well. Because we have a covenant with you, Father. And we are so grateful that we can learn and know you just the way that they did. And we can see your hand manifest in our lives, even in a greater measure. Did you not say, Lord? Did you not say to John, about John the Baptist that he was the greatest of all the prophets? But you said that, that those that will be in the kingdom will be greater. The least in the kingdom will be greater than John the Baptist. And you were talking about us, God. You were talking about us because we would have revelation. Why? Because it's the Holy Spirit that will open our eyes and teach us and show us things. Holy Spirit, we welcome you this morning in this place. Have your way in the lives of every person. Touch lives, touch families, touch sickness, Lord, physical bodies. I pray right now in the mighty name of Jesus that you would manifest yourself, Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, that you would manifest yourself in this place, that you would touch physical sickness right now, that you would touch broken hearts right now, that you would touch, Lord, souls that are hurt from depression or fear or torment. God, that you would touch them in the mighty name of Jesus because you are our healer. And we honor you. We thank you for deliverance. We thank you for freedom. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for everything that you are in the mighty name of Jesus. If you believe it and you desire to receive it, then give the Lord a big shout this morning. Come on, give the Lord a big clap. Oh, that's really weak, guys. Come on, give the Lord a clap like you really believe it. I know you've shouted a lot this week, but shout one more time. Just give Him a big, big, big shout. Just give Him thanks this morning. Hallelujah. 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 Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Just raise your hands. Father, in the name of Jesus, I take authority now over every demonic spirit, over every evil spirit, and I command you to submit to the Word of God that has been spoken. In the name of Jesus the Christ, the truth endures forever. I speak this healing power in the lives of every family in this place and every person in this place. 
because it's who you are, God. You are our healer in every aspect, Lord, physical, the things around us, our families, every area of our lives. And we are so grateful to you because we know you, God. You are our God and we are your children. And we honor you this morning in this place. We love you and we thank you. Father, now I pray for every person as they go this week into Thanksgiving week. Lord, I pray that you will bless them. Give them peace and joy with family and restoration and healing and and all kinds of things that will take place over this week, Lord. I pray your angels will surround them everywhere that they go, that your favor will be with them. And Lord, give many who need rest a time of rest and restoration so that we can come back next week and celebrate once again in the house of the Lord. We truly are thankful to you, God. You are our awesome God. And we love you and we praise you. In the name of your precious son, Jesus, amen.